Welcome to the Redefine Pod, where we value individual stories and believe everyone has the right to share their story while redefining every step of the journey. On today's episode, we will be talking to Ritendo on mental health, um, a psychology and counselling graduate. We will also be diving deep into different aspects relating to her career path thus far. So we asked the important questions, who, what, why, where and when. I'm your host for today, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Rotundo. How are you doing today? Oh, how am I doing? I was unprepared for that question. But I guess having good days, bad days. But overall, I am well. I am taking the time that I need to rest if my body's telling me to rest. And yeah, just taking it easy. But I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing, Amanda? <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you very much. Yeah, I think um, just similar to you, it's just taking each day as it comes, really, isn't it? Yes, that's, that's just what you have to do. Um, would you mind just um, sharing a little bit about yourself? Um, just tell us a little bit about you. Okay, a little bit about myself. <laughs> um, well, as you said, I am Rutendo <laughs> and I have recently graduated from Aberdeen University in Dundee with a first class Bachelor of Science Honours degree in Psychology and Counselling. Um, oh, I love that. <laughs> love that. Yes, first class graduate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so I just loved my course. It was very eye-opening and very interesting. I guess I became interested in psychology for so many different reasons, but I think my culture played a large part in that. Um, I was born in Zimbabwe and I grew up in Scotland from the age of six. And I love Zimbabwe's culture, which fosters, you know, communal support and love. However, although I still felt the communal spirit of looking out for one another, I simultaneously noticed the lack of transparency when it came to discussing mental health in different ways. It made me think and want to ask, well, but why don't we speak about certain things, you know? Um, And then in high school as well, I took higher crash psychology and I just really liked it. It just came really naturally to me. So yeah, six years later and we have a whole degree. Wow, that's amazing. Um, You mentioned a little bit about certain cultural aspects um that you grew up around um can you tell us a little bit about that like what is the what is the culture on mental health in terms of where you grew up um well of course this is from my own experience and not everyone would have had the same experience um in my own home in my own family we've always talked about mental health while growing up like how are you feeling xyz and my mom's also a trained mental health nurse so that really did help was quite beneficial to feel like you know like my parents understood and when i'm speaking about culture i'm not touching on mental health service provision in zimbabwe but merely the open conversations that we have about mental well-being in communities And as I mentioned, I grew up in Scotland and even then, you know, I would sadly hear stories about others in our community taking their own lives or not going to work for long periods of time. But no one would really know if they reached out to anyone or would never really be said that they were living with depression or anxiety. But as I grew older, I learned that it was due to mental health problems. And I feel like if we were more open or had been open to talk about these things, then perhaps the people could have gotten help. But of course, that's quite a simplistic way of looking at it. It's multifaceted and there's a lot of social culture factors at play. And a lot of the time as well, it comes down to religion. So maybe that's another topic for another day. Right, like, okay, we'll pray about it, that kind of thing. 
Yes, yes. So it was kind of very spiritual. You know, it's evil spirits. Or, you know, if you just pray, God will help you and, you know, you won't be depressed anymore or all your troubles will go away. But not really diving into the clinical side of things. Yes. Yes, because um, I'm a Christian myself, but I feel like a lot of what I've heard is that seeking therapy or, you know, taking medication and believing in God and going to God for help are, they're, they're not mutually exclusive, but people treat them like they are. Um, you can get therapists and you can take medication for different things, but still trust in God and believe in God, you know, that will help you whatever problems you're having. I don't feel, I don't think it should be A or B. I I would like us to be able to maybe see a perspective where we can incorporate both. Um, yeah, so. Thank you so much for sharing that as well. Um, so we've obviously touched on kind of like the reasons why you were interested in studying psychology and counselling. Can you just tell us a little bit about like your aspirations um, since now you have this first class degree? Um, what, what are you hoping to kind of like do with it? Okay, um, the long-term goal is to become a clinical psychologist. I love that. Clinical psychologist is a doctor of clinical psychology um, who's gained specialist training in psychological theory, research, clinical practice. And their um, clinical psychologists are trained to work with people from all different ages um, to support some of the most vulnerable in society um, to alleviate emotional and psychological distress. So that's young people people and children, adults, even family groups. Um, and beyond that, clinical psychologists are also trained to be teachers, researchers, consultants. So it's a very challenging and rewarding career um, and it's something very close to my heart. So that is what I'd like to become. <laughs> well, we'll be, you know, looking out for you. Um, yes. I'm sure we'll be like... In a couple of years, you'd be like, yes, I am a qualified clinical psychologist. And we'll be like, you know what? You said it. You said it here on the pod and we have the evidence of it. You know what? I was so scared to say it out loud. But I was like, no, you need to speak things into existence. Yeah, it is definitely achievable. And I mean, you have proven that it is definitely possible because you have a whole degree now. And yes, I guess another reason as well is... There, there's underrepresentation of black professionals within the mental health field. And even within psychological studies, most studies are from weird populations. And um, that's an acronym for Western educated and from industrialized, rich and democratic countries. So this phenomenon affects a lot of psychology and other social science studies. So I do want to be part of the movement to get more representation to reflect the complexities of the human mind, human emotions, human behaviors from very many diverse backgrounds. That is so important as well. Like I, I've also like, you know, been in different conversations where therapy is a point of discussion. And a lot of people say that like you want a therapist that kind of like understands where you're coming from. And sometimes like your cultural differences, um, they can have an impact on that. And so when you are looking for somebody who looks like you to be a therapist and you find that maybe they're not actually available, you know, there isn't really that representation like you're speaking of and I would imagine that yeah. that's kind of like similar to like you know psychologists um and mm -hmm. just the diversity and the lack of so yeah. I think that's really important and we definitely need to bridge the gaps um yeah. in that 
I think for anyone who wants to read up on this, there are many books and articles out there. So yes, I'd encourage those who are interested to reach out and, you know, just read something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so like at the Redefine pod, we're very big on raising awareness um, for mental health and well-being. And I know that you're such a huge advocate for normalizing conversations um, pertaining to mental health. So what would you say are some of the perhaps stigmas or uh, barriers in terms of people actually accessing mental health help? Um, What would you say on that? I think in terms of barriers to mental health access and engagement with services and stigma, I feel often occurs because people are defined as illnesses rather than individuals. Um, So... For example, if someone has schizophrenia, is living in schizophrenia, we say, oh, you know, they're schizophrenic and we need to move away from those labels. So maybe if you are having symptoms and you think it could be anxiety or depression, the fear of maybe someone finding that out and then labeling you as a depressive or, you know, someone with depression and only see you as that, that can be quite debilitating, like just the thought of it. So I feel like the stigma when people are labeled for something that they're living with um, can have a many detrimental effects. And other barriers to mental health care are negative perceptions of what mental health services actually are in terms of there are many myths, you know, you'll be forced to do X, Y, Z, um, you'll be analysed. That's not the truth. Um, when you go to a counsellor or a therapist, they will talk to you about your issues. It's very collaborative and it's not as scary. It's not scary at all, actually, as maybe what people may perceive. So I feel like there are lots of myths that just need debunking um, from what we hear about mental health and engaging with therapy. Yeah, um, definitely. I think a lot of people are just scared of even voicing out their feelings because sometimes you can kind of like question yourself and think like is this big enough for therapy or is this big enough for um like going to see a psychologist yes and I love the fact that you mentioned about the severity of what you may be experiencing as an individual because I feel maybe sometimes someone will say I've not been diagnosed with a mental health problem from a GP or a mental health professional. So my problem isn't big. You know, I don't need to seek help. And that delays help seeking. Um, so people shouldn't be put off for seeking help because they don't think it's serious enough. I mean, if you're feeling like you're in a low mood, you're feeling hopeless, you're having panic attacks, flashbacks of unwanted thoughts, constant worries and phobias, intrusive, obsessive like thoughts, a lot of things fall under being mentally and emotionally drained. Um, so seeking help and having someone to discuss those symptoms with is the first step. Um, so I feel like what you're saying, people measuring themselves up maybe against other people or feeling like, oh, it's not that big of an issue can also be a major barrier to actually taking the first step to go and speak to someone, even if it's a friend or family, you know, just taking that first step. <laughs> Yeah, that's so true. Like, I I like that you're also mentioning that, like, given speaking to a friend, even speaking to a family member, like, you're still voicing out your feelings, you're still being heard. Yeah. And it's really important for us to just, like, exercise that, mm-hmm. as you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, Seeing as you have studied psychology and counselling, would you say that you could provide us with some tips um, on mental health and wellness? 
I will say that, of course, disclaimer, (laughs) I'm not a trained mental health professional, (laughs) although I am a graduate of psychology and counselling. A lot of this is from what I've learned on my degree and a lot of my own research into mental health as I'm very much interested in the field and that's where I want to take my career. So I guess I can, but I just want to say that I'm obviously not advising anyone to do anything. And a lot of the information I'll be providing um. I mean, later on, we can talk more about like the NHS, what they provide. And that information is correct from the time I'm giving it. So if it changes later, then just because things have been updated. So yes, I don't mind giving, but I obviously don't want anyone to feel like I'm telling them what to do or, you know, I'm a professional. Um, please seek help from a licensed counsellor or a therapist, GP, if you mm-hmm. like want to speak to someone. But yes, I'm happy to provide any tips that I feel may help other people. Yeah, um, thanks for the disclaimer. Yeah. Please do share. Okay, well, self care. Self care is a so key. And oh, it's so big. Such a big thing. Yeah. Run away from self care because it feels uncomfortable. It feels selfish. It feels like, oh, but why am I looking after myself when, you know, my friend needs me or my parent wants to talk or I have to cater to X, Y, Z. But I feel we don't realize that if you don't take care of yourself, then it limits your capacity to take care of other people and show up as your best self for other people. That is definitely true. Yeah. Pull from from an empty cup. So definitely I feel self-care is up there and that goes out with, you know, running a bath and lighting a candle and doing a face mask. Self-care is so much deeper than that you know really kind of looking at why you're feeling like this you know even if it's a case of just sitting down for a minute and really thinking but where is this feeling coming from you know writing down your thoughts what did I do today how did it make me feel when I think about this who comes into my head but why did it make me feel this way so you know digging a bit deeper and yes so as much as I love a good face mask I also feel like getting true with yourself and prioritizing when maybe you aren't able to have a conversation with another friend that really needs you just be honest and say I'm going through something at the moment I'm sorry that I can't I can't be there for you in the way that you'd need me to just setting boundaries all of that comes under self-care yeah um yeah I was gonna actually ask you like what does self-care look like and you've literally just answered that and I think there's a lot of guilt though that comes into you know (laughs) choosing yourself in a sense like just having to say no to certain things just because like maybe you just can't bring yourself around to doing that thing or that favor that you said you were going to do and you feel bad for like going back on your word um so what would you say about guilt um in terms of self-care I'll say about guilt, um, it's such a complex emotion and feeling. I'm sure we've all experienced guilt at some point. Um, But I feel what would help is to redirect that guilt to feeling bad for actually neglecting ourselves. Because if I don't take care of myself, if I don't take care of my needs, if I don't voice my boundaries, you know, if I don't get enough sleep, if I don't eat healthy food, if I don't drink enough water, if I'm always prioritizing other people's needs, then I'm going to be run down, you know, and then I'm maybe then going to be frustrated and I'll take it out on the very people that I love and I'm trying to help. So feeling guilty doesn't actually it doesn't help of course it is natural but I think feeling guilty only comes when we don't actually realize the importance of not feeling guilty for taking care of ourselves first and I always remind people that you know if you if you 
say no to yourself you're saying yes to something or someone else and each and every time that you don't take care of yourself you're taking care of something else and taking care of yourself and taking of other people they're not mutually exclusive things they can happen at the same time and we all have a right to love ourselves and to be happy so as long as we all give each other the right to do that then I feel like maybe we'll start feeling less guilty because we're all remembering that someone else has also the right to look after themselves You've said some really, really key things there. Um, so yeah, no more guilt for me. Um, <laughs> so um, thank you for that. So just on the topic of you know mental health and well-being, um, obviously I think we've seen what's been happening in the news as of recent, and there's been a lot of talks about racial injustice at the moment, and I was just wondering what your thoughts were in terms of like racial injustice and trying to also look after your mental health um at the same time because it can be really draining can you just tell us a little bit about how to kind of like navigate that oh yes um it's it's been so draining for many of us you know a lot of hurt and a lot of outrage and it's very easy to internalize what you're reading what you're hearing um and it's almost like you can't really escape from it because if it's not a whatsapp message maybe it's something on your social media or you turn on your tv or if you listen to the radio so i feel in terms of navigating the spaces you kind of have to actively limit your news sources or if it's a case of it's a friend or family who's feeding you this information again it comes down to boundaries and saying please I'd like to not be hearing about that at the moment it's not doing well for me and actually voicing that you'd rather not because maybe sometimes people don't actually realize that they're causing you harm mentally by sharing with you they're just I don't know sharing what they're hearing so in terms of navigating spaces it is also about limiting yourself and also voicing out things that you'd rather not see or hear um and (laughs) being exposed to these racial stresses um can result in racial battle fatigue (laughs) and this is a phenomenon oh can you tell us a little bit about that yeah what is racial fatigue Okay, so I came across this term when I was completing my dissertation, which was looking at mental health in Black women, so anxiety, depression, and stress, and the factors that come together to um, affect the outcomes of mental health in Black women. And racial battle fatigue is basically cumulative race-related stress, so being exposed to racial stresses over and over again, and that builds up physical health deterioration, anxiety, and stress, because you're being emotionally and mentally drained from these environments. So yes, that is what racial battle fatigue is, in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, thank you for schooling me on that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's it's definitely a term that I've like just recently, you know, come come across. And like the first time I saw it, I was like, this is such a thing because I feel like sometimes you just face these like racial microaggressions and you don't really pay attention to it at the time. But then when you start mm-hmm. thinking about it, you start realizing that you, you've actually internalized quite a lot of it. And it gets to a point where you just feel such exhaustion. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it just, it's just, it is a battle. Like it, like it's in the name. It's literally like a battle. 
Um, but I think what you're saying about limiting, like how much you you consume in terms of like media, um, just what whatever it is you're reading, you might not really think about it at the time, but you do actually begin to think and feel what you read and what you see. So I do appreciate that you're you're just saying like you know what sometimes it's good to just voice out like I'm not really in the space to you know hear this at the moment because I'm going through my own stuff because it's like life doesn't just stop as well do you know what I mean so it's like you might have your own internal battles that you're facing so but it's also an important conversation at the same time because it's such a necessary conversation that has kind of like been pushed to the back burner in a sense um and so now that it has come to light I think it's just that I don't know that like instantness of the messages instantness of like you know obviously we have Instagram and stuff um that sometimes I just it's draining like like you said yeah it's very exhausting and when you mentioned microaggressions um very much so and these are everyday exchanges so even though maybe you know with the pandemic going on we're maybe not in contact face to face as much as we would be in workplaces mm-hmm. and at university mm-hmm. yeah but you can still experience that exhaustion from reading things online you know people writing that you know you don't get to feel how you're feeling because it's not that serious you're overreacting and right right validate how you're feeling that can cause you to be exhausted because now you're thinking should I stay quiet or should I tell them how I feel and that constant back and forth of wanting to say something but also feeling like if I say something I won't be taken seriously or you know they say I'm an angry black woman or you know they'll call me violence and just feeling like there's just nowhere to go and that can make the feelings of exhaustion and racial battle fatigue so yes definitely online spaces can play such a huge part in how you actually feel and whether you voice how you're feeling I definitely do agree um you also kind of touched a little bit about what you did for your um dissertation would you mind sharing with us like what your findings were um in terms of your study Oh, yes, what my findings were. I was looking at the strong Black woman stereotype, which is the ideology that Black women are all resilient, you know, they're caregivers, they don't need any help, um, they can withstand anything that comes their way and they'll just be fine. Um, the origins of the strong Black woman stereotype have actually been dated back to times of slavery um, and they emerged as a survival mechanism because Black women experienced abuse and oppression but they were also regarded as being physically and mentally stronger than white women and black men. So over the course of slavery, the traits of, you know, being strong, they were then seen as being necessary for personal and also communal survival. So that's continued onwards um, into what we see these days. Um, So there's a lot of historical context to that. Um, So the superwoman slash a strong black woman stereotype affects a lot of black women because the more that you feel like you're a superwoman, you can take anything on, you then yeah. carry that up with not seeking help because seeking help is often internalized as weakness because society tells right. you that you know black women should be able to take everything on and to seek mm-hmm. help kind of 
be to not live up to the high expectations of the woman that you're supposed to be. So having that internalization can lead to stress because you're not coping. You are just suffering a lot, but you're not voicing that out. And then you have Mm -hmm. low energy, so maybe that leads to depressive symptoms. And then you're constantly worried, you're not sleeping well. And then that can also have an effect on anxiety and action symptoms. So my dissertation found that the higher levels of the strong Black women endorsement that my participants had, the more levels of depression, stress and anxiety they also had. And I also found that the levels increased from low endorsement to high endorsement. So someone with a higher endorsement of the strong black woman stereotype would actually um, struggle more mentally than someone with low endorsement. Um, And also agreeing with the stereotype didn't actually affect. So you could agree with the stereotype of being a strong black woman, but it could still be affected because you might think it's a good thing. So yes, that's what I found. (laughs) Yeah, because that's really interesting as well, because like, it's not, a negative term you know what I mean because you're saying strong black woman like that is a positive term but what you are also saying with your findings is that because you internalize that you know strength Mm. you have to kind of like prove that you deserve that term as well so it becomes this because I'm strong I don't want to give you a little bit of my burdens because I don't want you to carry that like I'll carry everything by myself yeah so I guess in one hand you're like this is very very positive Mm -hmm. but on the other hand you're suffering in terms of your mental health um whilst trying to attain that yeah you're so right um so yeah they're just constantly juggling and yeah it was very eye-opening for me and (laughs) I feel that's what kind of led me you want to actually create a platform and um, I created um Instagram um <laughs> it's called so we glow oh yes <laughs> to talk about these issues yes tell us a little bit more about that I was like I don't want to keep all this knowledge just in my head just running around all day I want to tell the people what I've learned <laughs> <laughs> oh, you must know no honestly it's such a necessary platform would you mind just sharing like what the platform is all about and what your what your aim and goal really is with it yes okay so the main aim of the platform is to discuss mental health processes within the black community in terms of for example i mentioned racial battle fatigue and that's mm-hmm. that specific to black people because it's about racial stresses that you experience in predominantly white social spaces. So I feel like there's things like that and also things like race-based imposter syndrome, racial trauma, um, mental health services and how race and racism can be impacted by engagement a lot of these things. I mean colorism, the psychological effects of colorism, there's a lot. And I am very interested in this and I found that when I maybe wanted a source to kind of help me understand these things like but why am I feeling like this you know and mm-hmm. I, there's yep. nowhere I felt like I could go to actually explain and go into the depth of things and also using research um with undergrads of course we use a lot of research 
Um, so I use mm-hmm, yeah. papers to really outline and allow people to also see that these are real life issues. I'm not just here on Instagram to say, you know, black people feel this way just because I woke up one day and I decided to make this a fact. It is true. <laughs> we do experience Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so I just really wanted to have a validity and real- reliability. <laughs> that's the aim of the platform and I guess I want it to become an educational source um, for yeah, yeah. people to benefit from it you know so if you're interested please connect with us on Instagram so we glow you can even pop over an email um, info at so we glow.com um, maybe you're um, maybe you're not black but you have a black friend and you're wanting to know how how has the news how has what's been going on in the news affected my black friend when we're at work and these things happen, right. how does it affect my black friend, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because if you if you don't experience it yourself, like, sometimes you don't really know or fully understand what the other person mm-hmm. is really going through. And so I think it's really, really important that you've created this platform. And also, I just love the fact that um, you also put in, like, the references of where you're finding your information from. So people can always, like, you know... Um, look those up and just read up on the resources by themselves um, and just to educate themselves a little bit more. Um, is there anything else that you would like to kind of like mention that we may have not gotten into thus far? I mean, we, we talked about stigma earlier and I would like to talk about how to actually challenge the stigma because we discussed how stigma can impact help-seeking behaviours. Um, I don't know if you'd like yeah. to do that now or you can come back to it at a later time, but that is maybe something I'd like to go into before the end. Yes, please go ahead and share. Um, yeah, so we discussed earlier what how stigma can occur, you know, when we look at someone as through the lens of what they what they're living with as opposed to them being an individual. So I think it's important to... Let the person define the experience themselves. Our mind is very complex and we can often be tempted to feel like we completely understand what the other person's experiencing. If you've experienced something similar, it doesn't mean that you experienced it in the same way. Different things are experienced differently by different people. So, you know, just validate someone's experience and understand and or try to understand from their point of view. Um, don't use discouraging statements like, pull yourself together you know instead ask if, if there's anything I can do to help please let me know how can I help you right now if they don't want any help they'll just tell you like no nah, I'm fine or whatever you know not everyone's always forthcoming but the fact that they know you're there will make such a huge difference because maybe one day they're feeling low they're like oh she did say you know I could talk to her so just offer support and be there of course genuine support Um, don't judge or ask too many questions and I think we also need to remember to thank people for telling us how they feel because it's not an easy thing to articulate your feelings or your emotions. It's very difficult because even myself, sometimes I just start giggling and I'm like, oh, nothing's wrong, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> can you relate to that as well? <laughs> yes, I am definitely guilty of the pull yourself together. Um, and I think I do it especially with myself, I just tell myself, like, pull yourself together and um, get onto the other side of everything is fine again. Um, But you can't really wish away your emotions. And so it's really important for you to actually sit with your thoughts and 
actually think about your feelings really um and I think sometimes you can really just try to run away from that and just think you know what it's gonna be fine everything's gonna be fine but if you don't address these things like they manifest into other things as well um so it's really important to not just brush them off um yeah um I like that you mentioned that you tell yourself to pull yourself together because I was coming from the frame of telling someone else to pull themselves together but you're so right we do it to ourselves as well and I feel like we should allow ourselves to validate our emotions just say Rutendo you're having a hard day today but that's okay not every day is going to be easy and you know maybe get an early night or watch your favorite film or have a bath or just let yourself feel if you want to cry just cry it's okay emotions are released and you'll feel better we (laughs) there's no point bottling something up you know it's okay and to remind yourself that you're safe in your own body and you're safe where you are because sometimes it can feel unsafe to really get to grasp with how we're feeling if it's uncomfortable so like you're saying just validate how you're feeling and tell yourself it's okay to be feeling this way nothing lasts forever this too shall pass you know that kind of mantra (laughs) definitely this too shall pass yeah but like for it to pass it has to be acknowledged like you're saying Mm -hmm. so that's so key um do you have any like resources that you think are like you know good um resources that people can look into say like the nhs or like um finding therapists finding mental health organizations Mm -hmm. that you think would be useful for people to look into. yes i do have maybe like a hundred (laughs) resources um i've gotten to know some of these resources over the course um of my undergraduate degree but some of them i also found about recently and a lot of organizations that always opening up you know things are changing how people can access therapy is uh, is very wide but i'll start with within the nhs um you can Mm -hmm. access psychological therapy service um which are basically talking therapies that are accessible within the nhs for free um right you can go to www.nhs.co.uk forward slash therapies, I believe. But if you just Google psychological therapies on the NHS, it should come up. I would like to mention, though, that the NHS psychological therapies are for adults and for children and adolescents. Um, please search for child and adolescent mental health services. And they're often referred to as CAMHS. That's C-A-M-H-S. Yeah, just wanted to put that in there. Um, so is that sorry um would you know if that's like online like an online service or um it's not okay um I'll explain kind of what it is so it's a blank mm-hmm. term for talking therapies that are accessible within HS but they're delivered through various methods so online in person group sessions over the phone it, it just really depends on which therapy they find would be useful for you based on the evidence for what works for your symptoms um right these therapies you do need to be registered with a gp to get psychological therapies on the nhs but you do not always need a referral from the gp although you can get referral from the gp but you can make a self-referral to be able to access these therapies um and on the nhs website as well it will give you like all the steps for a self-referral but what you'd need to do is to contact your local psychological therapies and then someone from the service will contact you 
and you get an assessment to see, you know, um, get a picture of what's going on for you. If they find something that would work based on what you've described, then they can, they can recommend a therapy and then you'd go on a waiting list and waiting times vary. Um, so the different therapies that are available, they're quite broad, but they have um, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which is CBT which looks at the way our thoughts, behaviours and feelings basically affect one another, which affects our well-being, essentially. And the aim is to break any unhelpful cycles at any one of these stages. For example, a thought can come first, like, no one likes me, and then you feel self-conscious, and then you withdraw, you withdraw, like, socially, maybe you don't speak to people as much, you don't leave the house as much, you no longer engage with activities. Or, for example, a behavior could come first. You know, maybe you procrastinated, then you failed an exam, then you think you're stupid, and then you don't want to go to class anymore. Um, but, of course, that's not the case. You are not stupid. It's just because maybe you've procrastinated, and then that limited your ability to carry out all these things. So, yes, the look at all that. Um, it's highly structured. Goal setting focuses on current problems. Um, and, yeah, like I say, the settings can be different, and the duration and the amount of sessions you get will also be discussed between yourself and the therapist they also offer counseling which is another talking therapeutic relationship there's no judgment you just explore options explore issues this is short term so you'll probably get about six sessions up to 12 sessions um and counseling doesn't just deal with simple issues it can also deal with complex issues such as significant changes in living any traumatic events and then there's guided self-help mindfulness behavioral mindful-based cognitive therapy, behavioural activation. Anyway, there's a number of services. And like I said, if you just go on the NHS website, you can access these and read them up on yourself. And it's also confidential. They won't share with your GP anything unless they think you're at risk of, you know, harming yourself or harming others. So that's just on the NHS. <laughs> yeah. Um. Any other sources? Uh, yes. So, um... If you're in employment, you can talk to your human resources department. For example, if you're stressed at work, they can actually refer you to an occupational therapist if they have the grounds to do so. Or some organisations have partnerships with organisations that cater to the employee's mental and emotional well-being. If you're a student, you can ask university for counselling if they offer counselling at university and it's usually free. Um, and now we're coming to kind of like charities as well and other um, organizations for example Samaritans of course if it's an emergency and you don't have the time for waiting to get treatment you can phone up the Samaritans uh, I did have a number here it's 116123 and they're open 24 7 365 days a year um, so yeah that's the Samaritans and there's also other services like Papyrus, which is a young suicide prevention. There's mind.org.uk. There's Calm, which is Campaign Against Living Miserably, which is for men aged 15 to 35. There's a Mental Health Foundation. There's the NHS Every Mind Matters. There's the BAATN, which is the Black African and Asian Therapy Network, Anxiety UK. There's Pink Therapy, which is therapy... Um, which is basically for therapists with LGBTQ plus experience. Um, turning point. Um, yes, so there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of services there within their charity and third sector organizations. And there's also resources if you want to get private therapists. It can be 
more expensive, but it might be more suitable for people. But I'd recommend using like an online search function, which generates lists of therapies that are actually registered with the professional body because you know that they're um, qualified and they're licensed. So that's that sources like the counselling directory, um, the British Association for Counselling and Psychotherapy, BACP, and that's for all kinds of counsellors and therapists. There's British Association for Behavioural and Cognitive Psychotherapies, that's BABCP. There's um, British Psychological Society, that's for local therapists, and that's um, the governing body for psychology professionals and also for psychology students. And UK Council for Psychotherapy, that's for psychotherapists. So yes, there are a lot of sources out there. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't give like all the numbers for all the helplines and the websites, but if you just type in the names for anything I've said, it should be generated on Google. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Um, and I'll definitely, you know, look to some of these websites that you've suggested and look into some of the help that they offer as well. Um, so I think we have just come to the end of our episode. Um, but before you go, I just wanted to ask you to just give, it might be a bit difficult, but just give a shout out to one person who has had a particular impact in terms of your journey thus far? Just one. My sister, Shumi Rai. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Honestly, if I could, yeah, if I could write a 10-page letter on the amount of assistance she's given me, just my whole life, and particularly throughout my degree, then 100% yes. Thank you, Shumi. Much love. <laughs> But of course, I had a lot of support from so many people. But you, you, you want people to now text me and say why I didn't name them. <laughs> Do you know what? I think you've kept it in the family, so no one's really gonna come for you. So you've done well. You've done well. Thank you. One final thing: um, what is your redefining word in terms of like the season that you're in in your life right now, um, where you are at the moment? I'm redefining strength. Hmm, yeah. Strength. I love that. Thank you. Um, would you care to share why you're redefining strength? Yes. Yes, I can share. Um, I'm redefining strength because, I mean, like I said, my dissertation looked at strength in a black woman. And being a black woman myself, my eyes were open to so many things. And so many things that I also was maybe not doing well to help my own mental well-being so I had to really assess like where are my limits in terms of what I count as strength and what I maybe don't count as strength and in the end I learned that strength is manifested so differently in so many different people um I am a crier like when I'm emotional I cry and for me that is strength because I feel better afterwards and I'm like I'm now stronger because I've let myself feel how I feel and you know for me strength is also being able to rest when you feel like oh these things are getting too much for me let me rest it's not always being on the go it's not always you know being on the move strength is also realizing that I need to take care of myself I need to set boundaries so there's so much that I feel comes under strength that I want to go against the notion of strength being you know neglecting your own needs but it's the opposite it's voicing how you feel and looking at what you can take and what you can't that is perfect so can you tell the people where they can find you and find some of your work as well 
Yes. Um, so the Soul We Glow page is on Facebook as well. It's also on Twitter and it's also on Instagram. <laughs> Handle Instagram is at Soul We Glow. So it's so.we.glow. You know, hit me up. I do like stories every day, ask people questions. Like, you know, have they faced racial discrimination in the workplace? Um, quizzes daily mantras affirmations you know i'm here so yes but um if you go on the instagram page then you'll be able to find me on anything really and do you know what i'm also going to be doing instagram tv and i might also do youtube but that's in the works but yes you won't be able to escape me hopefully eventually you just kind of be seeing me pop up on your on your feed and you know you can't run away from the truth <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I love that. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, oh. thanks. <laughs> oh, I wanted to say thank you for having me. It's been great. I've had so much fun. And yeah, it's been great. I appreciate you having me here. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me today, Rotendo. I have definitely learned a lot from this episode. And I believe the same for our listeners as well. And also just thank you for creating a platform where Conversations pertaining to mental health are normalized because there is a lot of healing that needs to take place. Um, And so I would definitely encourage you to follow her page on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at so.we.glow and join the community so you can also be equipped to being the change that you want to see in the world. And of course, so that we can all glow from within. Oh, thank you so much for your support, Amanda. That means a lot. And I'm also very grateful for the support that I've received in general. So thank you so much. Well, that is the end of our episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope this sparks conversations with others around you so we can help normalize the dialogue. Don't forget to follow us on our Facebook and our Instagram page at The Redefined Project. And we'll see you next week for another episode. What are you redefining?